Oh, yeah, I saw that. Bummer, man. Bummer. I immediately watched his infamous freestyled monologue on uh, Blade Runner. Yeah, he was like, I would say almost maybe even more important than Harrison Ford in that movie for me. Oh, yeah. Because it's, I don't know, like it it depends. You know, like I still haven't watched the Blade Runner, what's 2049? Is that what it's called? Yeah, the new one, uh, 2079, I believe. Uh, I still haven't seen that. Blowing that right there. So Adam, you didn't go with us when we saw that. Mm-mm. I'm I'm averse to watching it because I like the fact that I have no idea whether Decker is a human or not. Oh, so that means you haven't seen the legit director's. Fun. I mean, there's so many cuts of Blade Runner. Yeah, but I mean, you can get that answer if you watch the final cut, as it's called. Oh yeah, the the newest one that they put out right before this one came out? No, uh, no. I mean, that that cut was before Blu-ray. It was on DVD. But you can get that answer. I'm not going to spoil it for you. I don't want to know. I actually, I'm completely happy with what I know about that movie, as is. It makes me happy. I like ambiguity, ambiguity, if I could say the word correctly. Yeah, that's early Ridley Scott. He's like one of my favorite directors. I mean, early Ridley, like, I mean, Alien, Blade Runner, like, just nailed sci fi hard. Uh, you know, those practical sets. I mean, all the atmosphere nailed it. That brother duo is kind of incredible. I don't even think people connect the fact that Ridley Scott and Tony Scott are brothers. Well, rest in peace, Tony. Yep. What are, I was just looking at something for show notes the other day. And I was like, what the fuck? Tony Scott directed that? I got now I have to look. He did Top Gun. Yeah, I know that for sure. But he did um I think my favorite he did is Man on Fire with Denzel. I still have not seen that. What? Oh, it was Last Boy Scout. I couldn't believe that Tony Scott did Last Boy Scout. Yeah, he brought forth uh high energy editing. Um and like there was just this I mean, go back to Top Gun. Like, it's it's just a fast, aggressive... He makes aggressive films, and the filmmaking's pretty aggressive. I wonder if he had lived, if he'd be part of the new the new one that's coming out, the new Top Gun, whatever the other thing. I wonder... Dude, is Tom Cruise flying those things? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> flying him himself, yeah. probably. Like, butt naked, just... Just fucking... L. Ron Hubbard blood running out of his veins. He's <laughs> motivated to do anything and everything. Tom Cruise. Um, I'm like, it's weird. Like, I'm a total Tom Cruise fan. I like pretty much all his movies. It's like, I always say, don't confuse the art with the artist with that dude. Cause like, he makes like really fun movies. Mm-hmm. But, you know. Like, I, you know what I was, what surprised me? Cause I think I went through, you know, he's gone through so many phases, Tom Cruise, mm-hmm. but he, you know, he went through obviously the risky business phase where he's like this heartthrob. Then he went through that weird middle phase where he did a few action films, but he was still kind of trying to rock that, you know, like uh, Vanilla Sky, that era, which I really like Vanilla Dude, Sky. That movie rips. I haven't even seen the original, which I would love to see. Abre los ojos. Yeah. 
But then he, now he's like pretty much all he does is action films. And all his own stunts, just maniac. It's it's insane. And I, for some reason, like most actors with that trajectory, I probably would have respected them less. But I actually tend to respect him a little bit more. He's more interesting. Like, uh, I don't remember what the original title was, which I prefer, but they renamed it Live, Die, Repeat. Oh, Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, I really liked that, that movie. That movie rules, and they're working on a sequel, allegedly. Mm, see, that... I don't know if it's got Cruz and Blunt. I mean, I'm scared every time. I really am. <laughs> I mean, it's over, dude. I mean, we're 40. We've seen some of the better films. Um, we're at the industry's out of ideas. Sometimes we'll get some randoms, but literally everything's been done. And so we just have to m- mix. Well, I don't think the industry's out of ideas. I just think that they're. They're too fucking stuck on the idea of making sure that what they put out is going to make money. Yeah, well, yeah, they need big tent pole. Yeah, of course. I mean, they are a giant. I mean, it's capitalism hard. Um, they're not. I miss the seventies cinema where it was all fucking risk. Uh, did you see Midsummer? No. Ari Aster, did you see Hereditary? No. I don't watch a lot of new movies, to be honest. So most of them, from the descriptions, don't capture me, and I don't seek them out. I don't blame the only you. The I ever watch is the fucking superhero movies because mm-hmm. I like comic books. Yeah, I kind of tapped out just, you know, the fatigue. Um, like, I, I know I'm missing out on a lot of the newer Marvel films. I just need to kind of ease back into it. I'm not one of the rush, you know, you know, actually, from trying to trying to get me to go to movies. I don't go to theaters. I just, I don't enjoy the experience. What? So, Why? I'm always like a year behind everybody else. Like I still haven't seen Captain Marvel and I haven't seen Endgame. I'm waiting for that Disney Plus service to come out and then I'll watch both of them and it'll pay $7 a month for it. <laughs> Whatever. We need to go to the theaters so the theaters still remain. I'm not concerned with it, to be honest, because since I don't enjoy the experience... I'm going to hang up the fucking laptop right now. <laughs> hang up the laptop. Close the clamp. <laughs> I'm shut it. I, I mean, it's not the theater experience that I don't enjoy. It's the human beings in the theater that I don't enjoy. And it, it just makes it really uncomfortable for me. So, I mean, how many times has it been ruined for you? Apparently a lot, I guess. A lot. And sometimes it's not even strangers. Sometimes it's the people I go to movies with. Well, you need to change some shit in your life. I fucking... I hate when you go into a movie. I'll give you an example. Um, what was the movie that somebody ruined for me? I think it was actually it was the Constant Gardener, which is I think a very underrated film. It's a, and I walked out of that movie going that was, movie was fucking awesome. I was totally stoked on it. Yep, Rafe, Rafel Ralph. Um, that dude rules. I was stoked when I walked out of that movie, and then the person I went to the movie with was like, "That was terrible. That was awful." And then I listened to fifteen minutes of them complaining, and it soured the experience for me. That's on you, though, player. It's not on me because you know what? Like, I don't have to listen to other people, bitch. It is on me in the sense that I don't have to go to movies with people. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I would go alone probably and enjoy it more. Just because I feel like there's this crystallization period when you get out of a movie where you're very susceptible to other people's opinions. Mm. Whereas if you, you know, if you go on your own and you have like an hour to contemplate the movie afterwards, how you feel about it is solid. But if somebody there is like, you know, they, they can seep it with positivity as well, like make you like it more than you did. 
That's also true. But for the most part, it's just not an enjoyable experience for me because that's what I think about instead of the movie, which is definitely on me. Going back to Blade Runner uh, and the sequel. So the sequel was directed by Denis Villeneuve, who's like my favorite new director. Mm -hmm. And it was shot by Deacons and he finally won. Um, It's great filmmaking. I don't think it needed to be made. Um, Right. But it's a good looking piece of cinema. And for like the people listening, you want to tell them who Roger Deakins is? Oh, he's a cinematographer. He's the director of photography of that film. He's shot probably most, he's done a lot of stuff for the Coen bros. Um, Mm. I mean, beautiful mind. I mean, he's uh, the best. He's done close to a hundred films. Yeah, and he hasn't won anything until recently. So, which is, whatever. which is when you especially just if you want to take just one movie that he did, like how did he not win for Oh Brother Where Art Thou? That we'll see with that film. A lot of that was the post production color timing. I mean, that was like, I mean, it was shot well, but the big, the visual language of that film is obviously it was like framed well and all that, but the color timing of that film was very, uh, I mean, if you watch the uh, behind the scenes of that, it's just off the hook because it was shot on film. It was before, I mean, dude, this was almost 20 years ago at this point. Yeah. It's kind of terrifying, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I'm okay with it. Like a newer movie. I would rather, (laughs) I mean, well, whatever. I'm fine. (laughs) Uh, it's, this is, I think this is what they call the curse of middle age is when we start, we're, we're just at the phase where we're realizing that things were a long time ago for the first time in our life. The first time we begin to call ourselves old. I was, I was talking about something the other day ago and I was like, Oh, that was, and I did the math. I'm like, that was 25 years ago. Holy shit. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying it felt like it was yesterday. You know, that's an exaggeration, but it felt like it was like five years ago. It was 25. So... (sighs) And that's, you know, usually when we're talking about movies and stuff, that's how it feels to me, especially since I don't, I don't rush to see the new stuff. So I'm always, my timeline on when movies comes out or came out originally, it's all jumbled. I don't know. What was the last new thing I saw? Yeah. It's a good question. Just something that was new for you. Uh, Oh, the newest thing that I watched. Uh, Good question. That you were... Psyched on. Let me let me look at my movie log. Uh, <laughs> actually, the Spider Man Into the Spider Verse was fucking incredible. I need to like for what I do as an occupation. I do motion graphics and visual effects and all this stuff. I still haven't seen that. One of my favorite artists worked on it. It's just silly monkey business that I haven't watched that film yet. It's on Netflix right now. I That's know. How I saw it's, it. I know. I'm just. I'm pretty sure it right now. I'm pretty sure that's in 3D. It's not apparent, completely apparent, the whole movie that it's in 3D. Sorry for everybody listening. I know I've talked about this before. But there is that, you know that when you have the 3D and there's that blue and red fuzz where, you know, the objects are just a little offset for the three-dimensional glasses. There's parts in the movie where I see that fuzz, and I was I, the first twenty minutes of the movie, I was like, "Dude, there's something wrong with my eyes." Well, modern 3D doesn't do that. They do it in that movie, but that might be a 
I haven't seen it, so I can't really confirm. I hope I hope it's I hope it's that because if not, then it looks awful. Um, because there are parts in there where I like I literally like couldn't see something. But yeah, but at the same time, there's parts in the movie that just seem totally fine. I don't know. And Netflix well, doesn't that film put on glasses or anything. Like there's tons of styles. In- I should probably stop talking. I haven't seen it, and I'm blown. It. It's a a masterwork of just not just motion graphics, but an animation. But of the music is perfect in this. I mean, a lot of the music in there is not the type of music I sit around and listen to. But for that story, I mean, there's the script, everything. Like I got to the end of it and I was like, there's not a single thing in that film I would have changed. And I went into it just thinking, oh, it's a, it'll be fun. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, what do you... I've been thinking about this lately. When you go into a movie expecting it to be great, are you almost always disappointed? So, yes. But recently, I just go in super low now. I just go in very low. I, I don't expect much. And then in return, I mostly enjoy the film. I think that that's probably part of the reason why I just watch, you know, whatever in a, in a weird timeline because I'm not connected to the hype of it anymore. So I think it allows me to do the same thing where I just go in kind of as a blank slate. Like, this sounds interesting. Going to watch it. Yeah, I, I was probably five years ago. I, like, I'll watch a teaser or the, the initial trailer. Just, you know, boom. The announcement of the film. I'm like, okay. And then I won't look at any media or reviews um, and then just go to the theater and watch it. You know, I don't even like reading reviews of stuff after I've watched it either. Where I'm just like, you know what? I don't really care what that person thought of that movie. There's some films that are like the, you know, the plot twisters. It's fun to kind of like look up like theories. Like if it's kind of, you know, weirdo film that I love, um, you know, where where a discussion is good. Yeah, like uh, somebody talking about the end of Pan's Labyrinth or something like that. Like, or Midsummer that I just we just watched that uh, it's a horror film, correct? I guess generically you'd call it. It's not a scary. Well, it's it's not a jumper. No, there's no jump scares. There, it, it's um, I would okay. Generically, it's a horror film. Uh, if you want to open that up a little bit more, I'd call it a psychological psychedelic thriller, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some gnarly shit in it. And there's this running sense of humor present. And so it takes place in Sweden during a certain time of the year where it's like almost always daylight. So it's very vibrant, very colorful, and just <laughs> some pretty fucked up shit happens. But it's it's good. Hmm. I like the one you when you threw the word psychedelic in there. I was like, now nah, that sounds unique. Okay, it has, I think, the best execution of showing a mushroom hallucination. Hmm. Like, I mean, fools are shrooming in that movie, and they really show it. Is it on par with uh, how well 
Fear and Loathing did the acid trip. Okay, so that sequence where he's looking at the casino carpet and it starts going up the wall, mm-hmm. like they nailed that. So it's online with that. Sweet. But it's not over the top. It's pretty subtle. If you've done mushrooms or acid, you'll be like, oh, shit, nice. Yeah. The waiver. <laughs> Just everything is breathing. Yeah. Yes. We've never done those things, though, of course, whenever. <laughs> I heard you on here. You talk about drugs. Yes, we do. I've had Colin on here, too. Give me a break. Oh. <laughs> Shout out to Colin. Yeah. He may or may not have. Well, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> now let's leave everybody hanging with that mystery. <laughs> You just remembered that you were recording, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Dun dun dun. He was just here in the bay. He was at Shoreline. Was he? Oh, really? Yeah. See, now that I don't have a personal social media account, I don't know any of this shit. <laughs> I'm completely oblivious to everything, which is kind of it's it's kind of awful, and it's kind of a good thing. Um, oh, it's so creative. A month off social and news. And how's that feel? So that was in uh, May. Mm-hmm. You know, it was weird at first. Like what I noticed is, and this is on me for my, whatever the OCD or whatever. I know a lot of people, like I would grab my phone and go to like, I would ghost ride my thumb to where Instagram used to be. And it wasn't there. I was like, wow, that's <laughs> fucked. Um, within a couple of days, it's, it's it, yeah, it felt great, honestly. It's this purging of the caca. It's just too noisy. Like, did you have like withdrawal symptoms? I know when I first did it, I had withdrawal. No, symptoms. I, I didn't shake or anything. Or no, but I got cranky. Like I got angry. Oh, I didn't get no, like nothing aggressive. Mood. It was just oh, this is different. Less chat. The, news is, the no news thing is definitely. Good news. The the no social thing was difficult at first, but now amazing for me. But what I picked up, so I didn't delete accounts. I just deleted apps. And then right. I reinstalled. What it did for me, uh, it just tempered the fucking crazy usage of it. Yeah, what, there's no answers in there. It's no. cool to like check in on the the homies or whatever interests you follow, but you know, I definitely got caught up in just over checking. Mm-hmm. Was I used to be a completist, and I haven't even posted in a year on Instagram. But I'll still like just go in there, see what's who's making noise. Yeah, I used to be, especially like the worst was this was a long time ago, but probably six or seven years ago with Twitter, I used to be the person who would go all the way down till I got to the tweet that I had seen before. So sometimes it would take me 40 minutes. Oh, were you a... A completist. Yeah. I go all the way through. I read every single tweet that I got. And I don't mean replies. I mean the whole timeline. It was intense. Yeah. See, see the thing with social media, there's nothing wrong with it. The only thing wrong with it is the humans using it. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's nothing inherently. Well, that's not true. There's all the spying that they're doing on the back end and selling of information is, that's is not good. the human. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there'd be no social media without humans. They built it. 
<laughs> it wouldn't exist. It doesn't. It doesn't exist without the human factor. Or does it, Mion? Well, in, in twenty years, it probably will <laughs> exist without humans. You know, it's got some good strengths to it, um, obviously. But you know, I'm not. The human mind is just like too fragile to. Well, as Lamb is prone to say on this show, he says we are not ready for it. The human race is not mature enough for it. I remember Adam Carolla saying that years ago. It's true. But it's also, we have to remember though, what is the inherent idea of social media and the, all the secret stuff behind it are two different things. So like a, reading a timeline might not be as addictive and bad for us and uh, as it is right now if these companies hadn't built in all these addictive qualities and all of these things that make us like unable to not look at it 50 times a day and they didn't reward posts that were well, it, yes the exacerbating. reward it's the reward uh you know what i mean i'm not going to they reward shitheads yeah the the louder and more offensive you are the more attention you get it's like being a bratty child that's why everyone's acting like bratty children because that's what they reward. You're like, oh, people are interested in this tweet. Move it up. Move it up. Were you heavy into Twitter? I didn't. I was. Yeah, that was my preferred social media. Because for writers, that's where most of the writers were. They weren't on Facebook. That makes sense. So that's where my interest was. I was like, oh, cool. I can follow all these writers. And then they all slowly started figuring out that because of social media, they were writing less. So they all slowly ditched it and it became less and less interesting. And then it just became like a cesspool, like YouTube comments. The comments, comments, online comments. Although, you know, I have to say the time that I did all those posts on uh, all those vlogs on YouTube, I only had one bad person in all of that time. And that was 200 days. So I I don't have the personal experience with the cesspool that is YouTube comments. Oh, actually, just go on to YouTube and look. There for you. You know, it's what's funny is I was looking at this is months and months ago um, when I was I was actually I did I did a like a five five or six book study on social media, just reading different books about social media and trying to understand all of it. So I was looking at other these new ones that are coming out, like um, Minds, and uh, this isn't new, but I went and I looked at them like what is 4chan? Trying to understand that and just looked at all this stuff and like. Some of them, like immediately, the moment you dip in, you're like, oh, no, cannot be here. Cannot exist in this. I don't remember which one it was. I think it might have been Gab or something like that, that I had heard was just full of white supremacists. And I'm like, it can't, I mean, it can't just be that. And I clicked in there and then I saw like seven comments about Jew conspiracies. And I'm like, okay, yep, it is just Nazis. I'm out of here. (laughs) It sucks, dude. So awful. Uh, so terrible. I mean, you could go on Reddit to like look up a video game and like, oh, let me just look at this video game. And then all of a sudden it'll just go off the rails around the corner and off the cliff. Oh, I I was luckily in all the time that I was on Reddit, I never read any of the comments. The only time I end up actually I've read, I don't even have a Reddit account anymore, but I've read, God, that's hard to say without sounding stupid. I've looked at Reddit. I don't want to say read Reddit. Looked at Reddit more recently than I have in the past because when it comes to 
like unsolved cases and stuff like that. Hmm. There's actually really interesting shit on Reddit because there are people discussing theories on unsolved crimes and stuff. But then you got those armchair detectives flexing way too hard. Totally, but it's interesting and it's entertaining. And I, you know, I'm, I've read stuff enough of this stuff I can tell where I'm like, okay, dude, <laughs> that's really like stretching. Like what? Um, trying to think of the most recent one. I was looking at... Uh, Is this research for some writing or just... You know, just the true crime fascination that we all have. It's just my fascination. I'm sure one day it'll become some kind of project. But it's just I I feel like when I when I run across something, I'm always curious. Like, oh, this is you know, I could be watching an old episode on unsolved mysteries. Okay, that's 30 years ago. I'm pretty sure more information has come to light on this case. So then I look and I want I want to know. Um, one example that actually Tom and I have talked about on an episode is uh, there's this kid who was... Him and his friend were found dead on train tracks. And the police said that they killed themselves. And then the parents were like, absolutely not. And there was this whole conspiracy theory about there was drug trafficking in the area or whatever. And just recently, I ran across something in researching... I think it was something else for the podcast or something. But there was this guy who used to be a professional wrestler who was a strong arm or like some, I don't remember if it was a drug dealer or something like that, but he was like a, an enforcer for someone. And he basically said that he had heard while he was there about this case. And so he actually brought more information to these, this case. And, he, and uh, basically they went back and they checked the clothes. I don't know if it was because of what this guy said, but they checked the clothes of these kids and they're like, um, how come at the time nobody noticed these stab holes? In their clothes, this was definitely not a suicide. So stuff like that. Oh, and then, so we're talking staging. Yeah, in that case, yeah. What, what essentially what had happened is they killed the kids and then laid their bodies on the train tracks. And then did they get ran over? Yep, and they were perpendicular, so they were uh, delegged and decapitated. That's fucking awful. Yeah. And Why just, are we talking about this? Because you and I talk about crime shit <laughs> yeah. all the time. True crime, man. It's. Did you get through all of um, Forensic Files yet? Oh, dude, I've run laps around it. <laughs> the only thing that drives me nuts about Forensic Files is episodes are too fucking short. Are they? Yeah, I want way more detail. I feel like uh, I feel like you could go a couple hours on each case, and I would. Yeah, watch that's because you're a nut and a freak like me. But I do love how each one's just this. Okay, obviously each crime is terrible and awful, but they're, the presentation of it all, plus I love how it's quote-unquote older. The yeah. music, the narration, you know, it, what everyone loves about it. Um, but I like how it's just this little nugget of, it's a murder mystery. Well, yeah, and essentially each episode is really just to prove one forensic technique worked above all the others. That's right. And like, dude, oh. some of the um, the car- like, okay, so forensic files. Once they start really going, um, some of the titles of the episodes are kind of like disrespectful. Like, kinda, they're like <laughs> clown. They're making a pun on the actual crime. Yeah, and then uh, so I mean, whatever. I'll I'll pull up I'll pull up some titles while you're talking, so they can understand. Oh, Everyone keep talking. Doesn't everyone know Forensic Files? Uh, but no. then also, you'll get these uh, 
like defense, like DAs, uh, some of these sheriffs, some of these uh, detectives, they're just, they look funky. Like they're, it's just, sometimes it's like, is this even real? This is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's one. Hear no evil. And it's about a deaf woman. <laughs> Shit like that. Freeze framed. <laughs> Textbook murder. And that's probably, I'm going to guess about, um, oh no, it's not. I was going to say, that one, I guess, is probably about a teacher. Waterlogged. See? Yeah. It's like garbage pail kids, like just these little shitty puns. Yeah, gone ballistic. Like, oh, come on. (laughs) (laughs) This is like sitcom episode titles. So, yeah, I definitely watched that. And then also prison shows. Um, I never got into the prison show thing. I may or may not have gone to jury. So maybe that's where that comes from. Mm. You've got a you've got a fascination. What is that nostalgia then? And then it's just what people do in a little tiny box, and how they kind of create their little home in there and customize it. Mm-hmm. And then they're always on the defense or offense. It's just so gnarly. Like it's also terrifying, right? Just like the kind of shit that hardcore prison. Like that's terrifying. Just in some like, uh, have you ever you ever listened to the podcast? What the hell is it called? Shit, totally had a, a uh, ear hustle. Thank you, thank you, brain. Have you ever heard of ear hustle? Mm-mm. It is about prison life, and it's it's one of the one of the hosts uh, for I think the first three seasons is an inmate at San Quentin. Oh, he's like in there. Yeah, and you're they're actually he's just walking around uh, interviewing other inmates. Whoa! And then I. Th- after the third season, the governor uh, released him. So now he's on the outside. I haven't heard the show since he's got on the outside, but I believe he's going around to different prisons and doing other stuff. What well, I mean? Is he a legit bad guy? No, no. He's just, one of the, he's just one of, those, one of those guys who did something really stupid when they were young. I believe he was like armed robbery when he was like, you know, probably like 19. You know, just stupid shit. That happens to carry a very long sentence. Yeah, I and mean, then you don't do that. But that's a great, great podcast. Just to, you hear, I mean, it, it shows like the softer side of prison, you know, like... Uh, <laughs> the softer side of prison. Well, there is, you know, not everybody in there is a fucking murderer. You know, some people in there just did stupid stuff, but then like they grow up and they're adults and they want relationships. Rehabilitation. And they, yeah, no, I get it. And that's, you know, you, you see that stuff, but then they also talk, oh, I shouldn't say see, you hear that stuff. And then you also hear about the weird shit that they do, like m- making things in the toilet and stuff like that. Or I was like, oh, didn't want to know that. Like food or something like they can make food in the toilet or something. Oh, dude, they get crafty. Yeah, it's it's just because it's a toilet. <laughs> it's, it's a little difficult. A container. You, it's ceramic. You can... or it's metal, actually. Oh right, right, right. Metal. Yeah, I don't think I think they stopped doing the ceramic ones because you could break them and make yeah. weapons of them. What am I thinking? Yeah, all it's just sheet. It's just molded. That would be an interesting like series, or maybe it would probably be a mini series on what they've learned about prison. You know, like oh, we can't, we can no longer do this because this can be made into a weapon. Uh, we can't serve this food because this happened once. Have you have you got into Oxygen yet? The te- television channel, I guess it is. Oxygen? 
Yeah. It's like, I guess it's owned by NBC. You heard of it? The O? I don't know. I think the O is, isn't that Oprah's channel? I have no idea. Uh, no. Check it out. Because, so basically the reason I know about Oxygen is I have the Apple TV and watching Dateline on the, I'm going to say NBC. I can never remember the difference between NBC, ABC, CBS. But they, in the network app, and it kept telling me, oh, if you liked this episode of Dateline, you'll probably like this. And I would click on it and it wasn't in the NBC app. And I'm like, what the fuck? Try, Trump's trying to send me to another app. And then finally, I was like, you know what? I'm going to download this app. If it's free, I'm going to watch this thing. And it was just free because I have, with my internet, I have free basic cable. Okay. So the channel so the channel's technically free for me. So I, I started watching it and I'm like, holy shit. Like what I it's like the exact opposite of what I was saying about the forensic files where they're too short. Like they go really deep into some of the shit. There was um, What's the, so is it all true crime? I don't think so, no. There's a huge, huge chunk of it that's true crime. Um they have short I would call them mini series almost where it's multiple episodes on certain crimes. Uh, one of them is like the disappearance of something Powell Cox. I can't remember her first name. And that was like, I want to say six episodes and they were like an hour long. So it was like six hours. Oh, they, into dig, this. they dig hard. Yeah. And it was, it's just really well done. It's, it's like uh, dateline quality production. So it's high quality production and there was another one about I can't remember her name, but it was I'd seen the case before about this woman who supposedly hung herself in Coronado, California. And that was four episodes, I think, three or four episodes. And I was like, wow, but there's only like four or five of those on there. But then I started watching their actual shows, and there's a show called Buried in the Backyard, oh, which is about finding bodies in backyards. And it is the one step above forensic files in the sense that like, they're like, and we pulled this body out of the, and then they'll show you the picture. And I'm assuming it's a modern show. Yeah. It's, it's still being produced now. I think it's in its second season only. Whenever I try to fuck with a modern true crime show, like I kind of tap out when oftentimes they just try way too hard and overproduce it. Uh, I wouldn't say that about this one. Oh. I, I, at least I didn't get that feeling. I haven't got, any weird feeling? You know, the one thing that I hate about the overproduction, which some of them... When you do that, that means your content's not that good. So you have well, to... Yeah, when they, when they come back from the quote-unquote commercial break and they recap everything you've already seen before, it's like, you're just doing this to take up four minutes because you don't have enough. So far in the crime, blah, 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 blah. Her husband... And then we found this, and then that's, and then they get to the shit that they teased before. I think they they're obligated to do that if they are running, if they're fully syndicated. With, they need ad breaks and stuff like that. I don't feel like you need a recap after every fucking. Commercial. I agree with you, but we don't have Alzheimer's. <laughs> I've been watching the show. I remember what fucking happened. That's why I stayed through the commercial. <laughs> I just I feel like the, it's it's like the movie thing where we're talking about where they're afraid to make anything new or original. Right. We have to do this because this is the safe way. Stop yeah. playing it. I mean, I understand why it happens. I feel like what we're, what we're seeing slowly is a divergence of culture. We're going to end up with two cultures. We're going to have the safe culture, and then we're going to have the culture which takes risks. 
and you you get you get on one train or the other, and that's the train on you live on for the rest of your life. So black and white. Yeah, but not racially, but just conceptually. Yeah, that's um, what they're setting up. It sure well, feels I mean, it's up. always been like that, right? No, definitely not. Look at Star Wars. Star Wars, huge blockbuster, complete risk. Absolutely not. It was uh, the only time you could even say it was anything like that might have been like in the forties, when you know there's only so many things you could say, certain words that you can say, and you know you had the board that would have to read the script before they could produce the movie. Star Wars: A New Hope. Yeah, that was absolutely a risk for sure. Absolutely, people thought it was stupid. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, but it was also a blockbuster. So there, there wasn't a split there. The, the, there was only one culture then. Everybody saw Star Wars, even though it was the risky film. Or Taxi Driver. Or Raging Bull. But now now we have like, there's the shit that they're putting out to the masses. And then there's the shit you have to dig for and find. Right, because everything's been done. I don't. I don't agree with that, but... I believe when you, when, especially in films, if you're telling human stories, there's absolutely no way everything's been done. Right. That's kind of a blanket statement. I mean, for the most part, every, all, co- most concepts have been done. But when we get a new film that's just, oh, yes, that's refreshing, it's because it's not the same shit we always see. Right. Yeah. Where it's, it's like, oh, this person didn't read Joseph Campbell. Thank you. <laughs> this person did not read Blake Snyder's Save the Cat. It's kind of like uh, our little joke about the blue and blue and orange. Your movie's fucking blue and orange now. And then you watch a movie that isn't, and you're like, ah, so nice to see real skin tones. <laughs> Holler back to Tony Scott. I think he's one of those dudes that really cranked that. Are you talking about orange and teal? Yeah. Lighting? Yeah. Yeah. Like Tony the, Scott sure. definitely pushed contrast and colors for sure transformers was probably the worst of the orange and teal michael bay so many if people don't know what we're talking about there is actually you're here why don't you explain to them what orange and teal is orange and teal it's we're referring to the lighting so i think the most popular cultural reference that comes to my mind is there there was a marketing campaign for Game of Thrones. Everyone knows that show. It was, it was before the show went off the rails. Um, and it would be um, uh, a headshot of all the main characters. Uh, you would have a light source coming from, let's just say, the right side. And it was blasting a warmer orange color. And then on the opposite side, you'll be blasting blue. So it's hot and cold-ish, warm and cool colors. It just contrasts well, but it's been overdone. I mean, it's kind of... I think it's done now. Just that aggressive orange and teal lighting. Yeah, I haven't noticed it in a while. I think it it was at its peak in the second Transformers movie era, whatever that was. Yeah. 2005 or something like that. Yeah, the whole thing was color time that way. Um I mean, it has its uses. I don't think it should stop. It's just, it's a trend. You know, trends just... Actually, you know, the first time I remember somebody really, really... And it's probably one of the strongest examples of of fucking with color in a movie. But this is filters, but traffic. 
Soderbergh, yeah. Yeah, so we have Mexico, which is like heavy yellows. Uh, Washington, I think, was Washington blue. Washington, blue, cold steel. And then there was a third, which was more just a normal saturated look, right? I can't remember the third one, so I'll trust you. But I own that, and it's been a long time since I watched it. That's a good film. A young Topher Grace being a slime ball in that film. Oh, yeah. You ever notice that when you buy a DVD, that it's almost like an excuse not to watch it? (laughs) I haven't bought a DVD in 10 years. I I don't buy them anymore, but I have all these DVDs I bought, and I'm like, I don't watch them. And it's almost like, for me, it's like, oh, it's because I own it. So I'm not in a rush to watch it. Because Blu-rays for like... If it's just, I think the most recent Blu-ray I bought was Prisoners, just because of the quality. It's for you know, it's just you can totally stream it, but with Blu-ray, like you won't get the uh, the blocking and the uh, yeah. Okay, I'm just going down a nerd hole. Like if it's a certain film I love, like okay, if you stream something, there will be compression and you'll see blocks, like compression blocks in the shadow. I mean, this is completely technical and. Not for most people, but um, so Prisoners was also directed by Denis, who did Blade Runner, and shot by Deacons, who also did Blade Runner. Um, Have you seen this? It has Jake Gyllenhaal and Hugh Jackman. I I know what it is, but I haven't seen it now. Okay, so we were talking about true crime. You have to see this. This It's insane you haven't seen it. I'll let you borrow the Blu-ray. It is on. It's a true based on a true crime story. Then? It's not based on a true crime, but it, it's a um, really don't. I want you to go in cold. If any of the listeners know this movie, they're like shaking their head. Yep, yep. <laughs> Plus, Hugh Jackman goes off as rocker. Like after the after this film, I'm like, okay, Hugh Jackman fucking rips so hard. His acting is off the rails. So good. Yeah, he was like a stage guy for a long time. I know that. Like he was a yeah, musical. I mean, when I saw him as Wolvie, I'm like, yep, Wolvie, for sure. Yeah, he was such a great, perfect pick for that. Even though he's like way taller than he's supposed to be. You just, I mean, it's hard for anybody that's seen Wolverine now to imagine anybody else. Which we might have to do soon. So I'm assuming you saw Logan. Yes. Yeah. How could I not? It's two of my favorite things. Did you Patrick see in the theater? Wolverine. Absolutely not. <laughs> I watched it in the chair that I'm sitting in right now. <laughs> uh, that, that will never stop to bothering you, will it? <laughs> it's because I know you love movies, but it's just weird that you hate theaters. Well, you got to remember, though, for me, movies is about concept, about character, about writing, about dialogue. Yeah, it, I get like, it. You, you want to read a book. It's constant. The, what it looks like is it's important if it looks good or if it looks like shit is important. But I'm not paying attention to a lot of the visual details that you are. What happened in your childhood that made you hate theaters? <laughs> did you not see T2 or Jurassic Park in the theaters? I did not see... Well, I might have seen... Terminator There's your problem. I did not see Jurassic Park in the theater. Oh. Good. I might be wrong. I don't know. You so we're talking about ro- like childhood robbery here. I saw Oliver and Company in the movie theater. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> well, I grew up. I I uh, I wasn't allowed to watch a lot of. Well, it depends which parent I was with. 
Gotcha. My mother, I wasn't allowed to. My dad, I saw lots of movies with boobies and <laughs> violence. <laughs> Actually, Good you know, shit. it's funny. I found, uh, I've been trying to remember this movie for the longest time. Like specifically when I say I saw movies with boobies, tits, for those who think I'm talking like a child. Um, I was trying to remember this movie for years. I don't even, it was one of those, these movies where you, you were young enough there's certain parts of it that are very memorable to you, like for example, seeing breasts, but you don't remember a lot else about the movie, so you could never figure out what movie it was. And I've been trying to figure out for like decades what this movie was, and I finally figured it out. And it's a movie called Sisters, and I don't know if it's any good, but I found it streaming, and I'm gonna probably watch it in the next week. Who's, who's in that? Uh, what's his name? The redheaded guy from Mask, Eric Stoltz. Eric Stoltz. Yep, the original Marty McFly. Yep, the the too dark for for American audiences. Marty what was McFly. that film? You, was it Boxing or no? Uh, Killing Zoe. Killing Zoe. Yeah, that's a great film. Ninety three, Killing Zoe. Can you believe that? I can actually. I was a freshman in high school. Mm. Oh, sister, sister, not sisters. Nineteen eighty seven. The uh, plot line. What's that? It, it is two sisters turn their family mansion in Louisiana into a guest house. One of the guests is an aide to a congressman and turns their lives inside out. It's a thriller. Um, Jennifer Jason Lee. Whoa. Jennifer Jason Lee, Eric Stoltz, and then Judith Ivey, who I've never heard of. It's, I don't know if it's any good. Like I saw it in 1987. It, Bill Condon's the director, though. So. But you said it came out in 93. No, no, no. 93 was um, the other movie, Killing Zoe. Oh, my bad. This is 87. But Bill Condon's a pretty good director. I mean, his Beauty and the Beast was actually a really good film. With the TV show? With, Lynott, with Sarah Connor? No, 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 no. Emma Watson, the newest one, 2017. Um, Mr. Holmes was a fantastic film. That's Bill Condon. Uh, Kinsey, do you remember Kinsey or Gods and Monsters? Brendan Fraser and Ian McKellen about James Whale, the guy that directed the original Frankenstein. That's I remember the cover art of that. I think a VHS tape. Never saw that with Ian McKellen's eye right in the middle of the holes. The what? That's Gandalf, right? Yeah, Gandalf. And Mr. Holmes, for that matter, since we brought that up. Yeah, so there's a good chance the Sister Sister movie might be decent. <laughs> Holmes might be 1987 poo. They made a lot of really... 87. That's around like RoboCop and like Predator, yeah. Adventures in Babysitting. That's what I'm saying. 87, that's risk still, you know? Um, yeah, a lot of high France. concepts were being chucked. Even like the the cheesy horror films were really fucking weird. Like uh, the best horror happened way before House and House Two. House is uh, okay. House, I if you're a Bay Area person, you remember Channel Two KTVU. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, they would they would show straight up R rated horror th- whatever movies. They would only. Uh, cut out language mm-hmm. there was a moment of time but well and maybe titties but uh the violence was just on deck 
and it was I would tape everything and and like like live taping put it chunk put in a tape close it down hit record but when a commercial hits you hit pause so you get that weird little VHS tape glitch in between mm-hmm. the cuts. That's how I had I had uh, Terminator Two on a VHS exactly like that that somebody gave me like oh we we know you like this movie here we we taped it for you and that was like an acceptable gift back in the day. Now you'd be like, fuck you. That's so cheap. I'm not trying to flex at all, but we had a Laserdisc player. <laughs> That's a lot of storage. Those things were fucking it, it, that, I mean, Laserdiscs are older than you think. The first Laserdisc I saw was Temple of Doom. Mm. No shit. Yeah. See, I, I, go, I go to late 80s as the earliest of being aware of them. I mean, it was just so... It was like when a CD, it was just like, what the, f-? you know, it's just insane. It's a record, a visual record. Yeah. For people who have no idea what a laser disc is, <laughs> it's basically a DVD the size of a record. You keep saying DVD, you should be saying Blu ray. Fuck Blu ray. <laughs> Blu ray's good. Blu ray's passe. It's gone too. It's, it's the gone past. too. You're right. Do you remember House? Do you remember that? No, not the TV show, but the movie? Yes. The first thing I remember about House is... Okay, so time travel. So, fuck, I guess this is 30 years ago now. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, we'd go to a movie rental place. This is even before Blockbuster. Maybe a liquor store would have a movie section or there was like a video king or some just low-rent movie rental place. Maybe the logo was just this solid block of yellow with black type on it, like Video King or something like that. House had the sick cover art. It was this severed corpse hand, uh, I think either grabbing a doorknob or pushing a... It's ringing a doorbell. Doorbell. And the doorbell was a spike and it pierced through the finger. It was so metal and it was so sick. I will put the show art for that in the, on the Instagram for everybody so they can look at it. It's rad. Um, but then back to channel two, it was on channel two and I taped it. I loved it. Uh, it doesn't hold at all, Mm-mm. but the main character who was the great American superhero, which is another eighties show, this blonde dude with like a curly fro. William Cat was his name. Believe it or not, I'm walking on air. Don't forget also that, uh, George Went was in it. George Went, yeah, from Cheers. Also known as Norm, yes. But it was cool. It was a haunted house film. Uh, this dude loses his uh, son in a pool, I believe. It's been a long time. I don't remember the plot very well. Yeah, in the beginning, we they he buys this Winchester mystery house-looking mansion, this old Victorian-looking house. And it's just him and his son. And... Uh, his son goes in the pool and his dad's not looking in the sun. He just disappears. And then slowly we unravel the hauntedness of the house. And then we get flashbacks of this dude in Vietnam. Oh my God. And then we, Richard Mole was in it from night court. <laughs> Forgot about that. Oh my goodness. Everyone's tapping out right now. That's Okay. That's what the whole point of this show is. <laughs> How long can you last? Yeah, dude. And 
Yeah, George Wendt was his neighbor. Yeah, and the house just fucking goes crazy. The practical effects are kind of cheesy when you look at it now, but they're the kind of shit that you would pull up an image and like, dude, I'm going to draw this. And it would be an amazing drawing. Like, I'm going to take a screenshot and send this to you right now. I did recently watch the sequel. House 2, Ding Dong, You're Dead, I believe, was the tagline on it. Which is funny. I didn't connect it till right now when we remember that George Went is in the first one because George, or, uh, John Ratzenberger, Cliff, is in the second Cliffy one. Cliffy Clavin is in the sequel? Yeah, he's the handyman that pulls a sword out of his toolkit. I never saw House 2. It's more... Funny, silly, goofy shit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like how they used to do that back in the day? Like the, the first movie would be fucking. Oh, really hard example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 with. Um, yes. Matthew Conaghy? Or was that three? And like Renee, a young Renee Zellweger? That might have been three. Okay. But two, two was a comedy too, though. Or a comedy horror. Um, let me send this image before I forget. Uh, but tell me you wouldn't buy this on a t-shirt. Yeah. So, okay. So this, what we're looking at here is a decomposed walking, a zombie basically with, uh, Vietnam fatigues. Yeah. Which you can barely see because it's kind of cut off right here, but that's the helmet. That was the Richard Moles character. That was, uh, what was his name? Bull in Night Court. Mm -hmm. Yep. Why is that not streaming, by the way? I don't know. Mike McGee, me and Mike McGee went down a gnarly rabbit hole about Night Court. I think he has all the Night Courts on. Like, oh yeah, Mike Mike McGee, that is his favorite TV show of all time. Yeah. Like Harry Anderson was like a hero for him. The magician. Yeah, remember him on Cheers? Harry the Hat? Yeah. Yep. He was the he con was artist. The same character. That's three Cheers references in one episode. Give us a turkey. Okay, here's another one. My girlfriend, Laura, so when she goes to bed, she just watches shows and then passes out. She's on Frasier. Oh, yeah. That's weird. I went through, I went through and watched all of Frasier. It's, I, in, I kind of enjoyed it, but Frasier's weird. It's kind of like Wings. You kind of enjoy it, but you kind of are uncomfortable the whole time. I would rather watch Wings. <laughs> and I would rather watch Cheers over Wings. Tony Shalhoub. What I was saying though is what they remember they used to do. They, I think what would happen is they get a director or someone to have an idea for a horror movie and they really want to make a real horror movie where they scare the shit out of people. And then it would do well. It would do, you know, like because horror movies didn't get huge budgets. If it made money, it made, it was considered successful. So they go, let's do another one. But then they'd hire like a different director and they go and try to make it a little bit more. Um, accessible to audience. That's why a lot of directors' first films are horror films. Mm-hmm. Because of the budget. Do you think it's still that? I don't think it's still that way, though, right? It's, dude, it, the playing field's pretty level at this point. Yeah. I think digital video really did that. Which is rad for filmmakers. Totally. Well, I, I do... and. It's rad, but at the same time for us as audiences, it's kind of... Yeah, but you don't go to theaters, so you're out of the conversation. I kind of miss when they used to do, you know, just because you had a low budget, you know, they do like a movie with only like three characters. Because, you know, like that's how uh, Jim Jarmusch like pretty much like got started. His movies are basically just like three people and they're just kind of walking around and talking, you know, down by law. He's, right now. he's different. He's an 
I mean, but it's that there was an era where he wasn't that different. Where what he was doing was kind of like a lot of people were doing that, but everybody else dropped off and he stuck around. Jim Jarmusch. Speaking of horror movies, he just did his first zombie movie. Oh, dude, everyone's in it, right? Yeah, Tom Waits, uh, Iggy Pop. Tom Waits Don't is worry. always in his films, right? Uh, he's in like half of them. John Lurie is in almost all of them. But most people don't know who that is. They should. He's awesome. Yeah, what's that? What's his new film called again? Uh, The Dead Don't Die. That is a perfect theater film. It is a Jim Jarmusch film, which means that it's going to be weird. It's going to be strange. I'm on board. I I didn't know he did the Kimmy Danger documentary on Niggy Pop. Need to see that. Didn't he also do Dead Man with Depp? Mm-hmm. That is a fantastic film. And That's also right really bizarre. Depp became mega Depp. Yeah, 95. Well, let's see. Yeah, I guess, I mean, he's gone through phases because he was huge after the first season of 21 Jump Street. 21 Jump Street. Nightmare. And he had a, a dip, and then it was all of a sudden, you know, he was doing all of the movies with uh, Tim Burton and everything like that. Yeah, that movie is fucking weird. Um, but that's Jim Jarmusch. And Iggy Pop was in that one too. Actually, now that I think of it, Iggy Pop has been in a lot of Jim Jarmusch films. Iggy Pop is still ripped as fuck. He's like 60-something. You know what's unfortunate is when I think of Iggy Pop now, all I can think of is the episode that he did with Anthony Bourdain. Mm. And have you seen that? No. I think it's Miami... Um, it's the Miami episode, and they go to they go to lunch and they're they're eating. Do they slam junk together? <laughs> no, like Iggy's talking about how clean his life is and how mellow. Like he's just totally this mature elder statesman, you know, who's gone through hell and done the worst shit. And like talking to Bourdain, and then they go on the beach and they're talking. And there's this one this this interaction right there that after Bourdain killed himself just destroyed me thinking about this. Because Iggy Pop says something about, um, he's like, you seem like a curious guy to me. And Bourdain's like, it's my, pretty much my only good quality. Oh. And then he says something about like enjoying life or something like that. And he's like, yeah, I have a hard time with that. And like going back, knowing that he killed himself and watching that interaction, you're like, oh, this, this depression thing had been going on for a long time. Well, I mean... If you want to go way back, machine, it's always been there. Oh yeah, that's why he was an addict, right? Yep. Which I still I've never read I've read Medium Raw, but I've never read Kitchen Confidential. I need to do that. I was he was a I was never into like you know, like I wasn't trying to ever be a chef for the culinary arts or whatever. So you, never, you never fuck with the early seasons of Top Chef? No. But he was like the gateway drug for a lot of people in the for sense sure. that most People that weren't into like food that didn't want to be well, chefs. I mean that that dude's super special. Yeah, he was an excellent. I want to read his novels. He wrote detective novels. He wrote like a bunch of them. He also started doing jujitsu way later in life and really got no pun intended wrapped up in it. Yep. I think uh, it was his wife, his ex-wife, that got him into it. Right? She was like some badass. Oh, really? Jujitsu. Something or other. I think she was Brazilian, if I remember correct. Oh, that would make sense. 
traveling around the world like 300 days a year probably leads to divorce i would assume not the not the best recipe for a wedding to never be home when i hear anthony's name the first thing that the first impulse brain impulse i i remember that episode where he goes and drinks absinthe like legit Mm -hmm. absinthe But, but when i saw that i had no idea that he's has heavy experience with drugs because he took it like a champ. He's like, Oh, whoa, we're totally, yeah, this is kind of real. But I had no idea that he's a veteran with narcotics. Oh, especially when you think about that and then you watch a lot of, like if you watch no reservations, Mm -hmm. which was technically a second show. um, If you watch that and you watch how many times he's getting hammered. It's like a, David tells Insomniac, remember that show? Oh my God. That was the shit. That was literally, I'm going to this town, getting drunk, and then just eating fucking street food. <laughs> Again, that's why he got so... Dude, David... Dude, shout out to David Tell. Not mentioned very often on the list of great comedians. But, uh, that guy, but yes, all comedians... I mean, all comedians love him. He's, it's like uh, I was saying yesterday in the episode I recorded with Tom... We've mentioned Damon Wayans. I'm like, there's a guy who doesn't get enough props today for being one of the funniest people ever. Even if you just just take the work that he did on In Living Color. In Living Color. Speaking of edgy and risky, that show that was, was the big. shit, dude. That was better than Saturday Night Live as far as I'm concerned. Dude, it when I saw Fire Marshal Bill for the first time, dude, I was so fucking in, dude. Think of all of the characters, the, like, the classic characters. Not a single one of Dude, them. Young Jamie Foxx. I mean, th- that's a later iteration, a couple seasons deep with, in Living Cut. But right. Yeah, what, uh, Wanda? <laughs> yep. <laughs> he was like going cross-dressing with a blonde wig. Yep. And he would do the fighting. Yep. Or you had uh, the Damon's uh, Homie the Clown was a great one. Oh, or the bum. Anton. Yep, the one that's the one I was going to go to. The one who uses all the big words but picks the wrong ones. <laughs> <laughs> Just fucking so yeah. over the top. I went to the, the Conolinguist Institute of America to learn how to cook. That's right. You pick all the wrong words. That show was just you. You, I, I understand. Was Fox, I, dude, that was fucking heavy. Fox era. That's Simpsons. Married with married with children. Pops. Yep. yep. Where they're like, we don't care. Let's. We got to be the only way we're going to survive against these three big ones. Dude, remember when Fox was like not. the dirty, trashy channel? They still are. If you watch their news, I haven't had cable in a minute. But uh, is it? Well, oh yeah, Fox News. Okay, right. I don't watch it either, but it's <laughs> still just as trashy. <laughs> this is so out of touch. Is Fox right or left? Right. Heavy right. Yeah. That's the only thing that the, our current president watches. Far as Who's that again? I don't know. I don't like to say his name very often. I'm afraid that like Beetlejuice, he'll appear in my room. Beetlejuice. Oh, that's twice. That was another great movie, by the way. That was weird and fucking should Young not have Alec worked. Alec Baldwin, Gina Davis, and of course, the Keaton. How did that... Like, that's Tim Burton. That's early Tim Burton. How did that even work? Like Where it's like, here you go. <laughs> was that before Batman? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'll double check right now. 
Maybe that was his first like Hollywood um, film. I feel like there was one before that. And when I say it, we're probably going to go, fuck, how did we forget that? I don't know. I think Bale just is... Uh, Pee Wee. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I told you we were both going to go, fuck. <laughs> that was three years before. So, yeah, so I Pee-wee, never correlate him. Beetlejuice, then Batman. But it makes I did sense because not... it's fucking Candyland. It's just cartoon world. I did not know Edward Scissorhands was after Batman. Oh, yeah. I would assume that was before. That then, might be his best film. Scissorhands? It's definitely between that and Beetlejuice for me. It's hard for me to choose between the two. I, I think they're both good. Like Beetlejuice is just wacky town, but uh, Scissorhands does have a quote unquote message. Or there's some, there's more soul in uh, Scissorhands. Yeah, it's true. It's Pinocchio, basically. Kind of. It. I mean, yeah, it's about the the little boy who wants to be real. But then he kills yeah. his creator on accident. Oh, dude, that movie's harsh. Young Winona. Well, you know uh, what? Anthony Michael Hall. My my distant, distant relative, probably. <laughs> but you know what? I think probably if we were to look at it just from film craft, his masterpiece might be Ed Wood. I haven't even seen that. Oh, that's a good movie. Or Isn't that movie about film? It's about Ed Wood, right? Yeah, it's about the guy who made Plan 9 from Outer Space. That's Johnny Depp, too. Um, but there's also a pretty good argument for what I think is probably his most underrated film. Big Fish? Yep. You nailed it. Fantastic film. Actually, yeah. That's a good... That's Ewan McGregor, right? Yep. That's the movie that I could play for somebody of an older generation that wouldn't like Beetlejuice, that wouldn't get Edward Scissorhands. I could put that movie on. They go, this is weird, but I like it. I think anyone could get Scissor hands and beetle, but I get I get what you're saying. Well, actually, I I know people that didn't. That's why I said that. But they got big fish, and the reason they got big fish is because I think because it's about telling stories and exaggerating, and about people from circus freaks. Um, it's not a commonly popular term anymore, but essentially what they're called. Because of that, those odd aspects fit into the story more. Whereas, uh, you know what I mean? Like they're wrapped up into the plot more. Whereas Edward Scissorhands, there's not really... I mean, there's an explanation why he has Scissorhands, but it's not wrapped up in reality. It is a fairy tale. And Beetlejuice is just, like you said, out there. That Beetlejuice is a comic book. Yeah, it's another world. It's not our world. It's an awesome world. Remember the cartoon? I was way into the cartoon. Oh, dude, that's... ABC or NBC Sunday morning shit. Yeah, they made so they took Beetlejuice, who was a villain. Yeah, and made they, into a they really overcranked the uh, Sand Snakes on that one. Yep, it was very different, but also I thought very good. Um, granted, I'm judging it from a ten year old child. Yeah, <laughs> a little boy's <laughs> perspective. Dude, I might watch then, it now and go, "This is garbage." Slimer and the real Ghostbusters. Yep, gummy bears. Which, what do you think about it? Um, you know, we were criticizing how they don't pick many original things. A lot of the shit that we got when we were kids weren't original either. Exactly. You know, like the cartoons, at least, were ripoffs of the movies we had watched. You know, Beetlejuice, like you said, everything you listed came from something else. Gummy Bears was a fucking candy. <laughs> when I, I took this kind of low-rent script writing class 
long time ago. And the guy was saying, everything has been done thematically. All the major plot points have had already been done by the 60s or maybe even the 50s. Like all the major themes. Like then, rags to riches. and But then you, 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 know, you combine two to get you know, another genre or whatever. But yeah, all the major thematic things have, had already been done long time ago. All the, all the essential or archetypical story arcs. But then you can go back to like literature, like shit was already done way, like hundreds of years ago. Oh yeah, before Shakespeare. I mean, Shakespeare was considered talented at his time, but he wasn't really considered he, he original. He just articulated it differently. Yeah, well, all the stuff that he buried into the shit that he did that people spent, you know, still to this day digging into. Like I was just reading this book the other day about... Um, it's it's called Underground Education. So it's just a bunch of shit that you didn't know. And they were talking a little bit about Shakespeare in there. And like, there's one part, I put this up on the Instagram, where he says, actually, maybe I should just read it from it instead of trying to bastardize it. I think you'll get, you'll get a laugh out of it too. In the Twelfth Night, the servant Malvolio holds up a note and says of the handwriting, By my life, this is the lady's hand. This is my lady's hand. These be her C's, her U's, and her T's. And thus, she makes her great P's. It is in contempt of question, her hand. In several editions, scholars point out that there are no great capital letter P in the note. These scholars wonder why Shakespeare would be so sloppy. It is in contempt of question a no-brainer. The bard was, of course, making a dirty joke. C-U-N-T makes P. <laughs> okay. And that's why Shakespeare still exists, because he could bury shit like that into what he did, and then people discover it. You know, whereas the people that were writing the same storylines as him maybe weren't doing that. Didn't Shakespeare get me too? Didn't he touch? Touch people? I don't know. Maybe, maybe they're buried in the Vatican. Oh! Told you I'd bring that up today. Boom. For anybody that doesn't know, they found a shitload of bones in the Vatican from unknown bodies or unknown people. But they say like thousands of bones, which I guess it's technically thousands of bones when you consider hands and feet. But they're like bones per body. Dozens of people. Or a dozen. Did you say dozen or dozens? Do you remember? Um, how's that not with the headlines? Because they are. Oh, here we go. Yeah, so while you're looking at that. So basically, they were looking for this girl that's been missing since 1983. 36 years ago. Yeah, which to me, at first I was like, you're only looking for her now? (laughs) But it was that evidence had led them to someplace in the Vatican. And and ossuary, which is a... They don't make clear... I hate the fact that ossuary means room or tomb. So when they say Big that there difference. was, yeah. So they say they found these bones in an ossuary. It seems less weird if you found them in a tomb. Seems more weird if you found them in a room. But that's old language, and I was assuming context would differentiate that. Yeah, I just I would like to know which it was. You know, that like here's a here's a secret room with a pile of bones in it. Okay, that's fucking weird. Okay, so can I go in the other room or? Yeah, please. I, this where's the meat room? Well, I just showed you the meat room. Hmm. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, you know, I see this headline. It's like 
terrible, but it's like, okay. I wonder what it, I mean, obviously they're never going to know who the people were because. Uh, if they find teeth, they can get some DNA extract. But I mean, Jesus, how? But what are you going to compare it to? You have to have something exactly. to compare it to. Yeah. Right. No reference. You know, like, uh, that's why forever they said that they had Hitler's body because they just, they had a body and they said, oh, this is Hitler's body. And then I think it was 2005 or 2015. They did a it DNA. It was a woman's, and, right? Mm-hmm. It was like a woman's DNA or something, like a 35-year-old woman. Exactly. So like, um, guess this is not Hitler. Finding Hitler. Science is weird. You know, like, uh, I, you know that I like to watch Unsolved Mysteries. We've talked about it many, many times. Uh, I was watching one recently, and they were talking about the Boston Strangler, Albert DeSalvo. And the whole point of the episode was that it's possible he didn't do it. You know, like there was other people and there, that was a theory for oh, a really long time. The fan. Well, yeah, that he was because he always wanted to be famous. And there was a lot of theories of who else did it and stuff like that. And in the unsolved mystery episode, which is kind of a reason why it's hard to believe unsolved mysteries, because a lot of times they get shit wrong. They, or they say something that you can't find proof of anywhere else hmm. so they'll, they'll say they said in the episode that they took the dna from the mary sullivan crime which was the last um can, 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 canonical 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 crime of the boston strangler the last crime that is supposedly done by the boston strangler and they had dna they had semen and they took Fucking it and they semen man <laughs> They tested it again. I think that you're the first person to say that phrase on this show. <laughs> <laughs> but they tested it against his brother and they, they said it didn't match. So apparently like male DNA goes through male generations unchanged, per, uh, virtually unchanged from what they said in this episode. But considering the fact that I could find no evidence of this DNA test happening anywhere else on the internet, I don't even know if that's true. But there's also... A couple of years ago, there was a podcast, a very good podcast called Stranglers. And it was basically about trying to figure out... The whole theory of it was that people believed there were multiple Stranglers. That that there wasn't one Boston Strangler because the... In cahoots or just random... No, because... The, well, I mean, always anything's possible. But they said that apparently the media at the time didn't hold back any details. So the or the police didn't uh, hold back. So someone could come forward and claim. Yeah. So basically, the first crime that happened, they announced the thing about the bow, which was the the Boston Strangler's um, his basically mo was to strangle them and then tie a uh, hitch knot, which looks like a a pretzel, mm-hmm. around their necks with with a, a scarf or a ribbon, and leave the body like that. I believe. There might have been something else too, something with water. But anyways, because they released that, if somebody went and strangled some another woman, a completely different person, and tied, oh, so we're talking copycat. So yeah, you you imagine like five people that like the person in the show says he's like in in nineteen sixties in Boston. If you wanted to get away with the murder, you just tie a bow around her neck, and everybody would think it's a Boston strangler. So I don't know how how true that is, but the because of that theory 
that's why the show is called Stranglers. It's like, was well, there multiple ones? So they, they investigate in 12 episodes. And at the end, they do a DNA test. Not they, sorry. The authorities do a DNA tens, test against his nephews to the same semen that they said in this one. And they say, it's not a match. Oh, sorry, it is a match. They're like, now we know but with 99.9% accuracy that Albert DeSalvo did kill Mary Sullivan. So which one's true? <laughs> okay. <clears throat> I was watching Inside the Mind of a Serial Killer or something like that, the Netflix, Netflix. thing. Yeah. I was watching it. And what I'm about to say is not a new concept, but like we should not put these things on high profile. Let's just get them, shut it down. Don't let the media around it, which I know is impossible. But well, it's, it's almost like it makes you, it makes you wonder if maybe Canada has it right in the sense that like there's freedom of press except when there's an open crime. When it's an open crime, you can't report on it until it's not, you know, it's not in the sensitive phase where this information can leak out. And it's it's a weird, you know, obviously it's very hard to, in this country, to even suggest any changes to freedom of press or freedom of speech because it's dangerous. It is dangerous to mess with those things. Right. But it also, at the same time, that seems kind of smart. Like, I want to solve this murder. It's probably good if everybody in town's not fucking talking about all the details. But then again, we have the human element and there's this weirdness that happens with humans when strange shit happens. Humans start acting and reacting very bizarrely. Yeah. It's, it's just, I mean, even like I said, they take that Unsolved Mysteries thing where you watch the show and like... Uh, there's human factor right there. You're like, they're kind of tweaking the details of these cases. Or, I mean, there was one about... Uh, okay, so Unsolved is Robert Stack? Yes. Yeah, that was like prime time television. Dude, they needed, like, if it bleeds, it reads kind of shit. Yeah, it was yellow journalism for sure. Because, yeah, there's, there's so many things where it's like, they'll suggest like a conspiracy and some crime or whatever. And then the crime gets solved like 20 years later. And they're like, no, it was just the neighbor. Or, you know, it's, that's, that's why uh, law enforcement, if you watch enough of this stuff, law enforcement almost tell you, always tell you that it's usually somebody close to the victim. Right. Stranger, stranger murders are very, very fucking oh, Like a random act of violence kind of deal. Yeah. Like serial killers. We'd like to, everybody's like, oh, serial killers. They're, they're all over the place. No, they're not. <laughs> There's not that many of them compared to people murdering their family members, their friends, their wives. Their children. They, there was something I was listening to the other day, and they said, "If I asked you uh, how many how many child murders do you think happen every year?" and everybody's oh, like thousands, and somebody else is like, "I don't know, twelve. Like nobody has any clue. And the, I think the answer was this was in Britain. The answer is two a year. And they said Britain's a little different, right? But I can't say it for here because I don't know the stats for here. But still, two a year. People thought it could be thousands or it could be hundreds. And they're like, two. And they said, and what age group do you think that is? And so, so all these guesses, you know, teenagers, whatever. It's it's children under 12 months. That's babies. awful. And the murderers are almost always their parents. So 
the reason I bring that up is like these crimes we we shows like unsolved mysteries and these other things they like to make us think you know like there's somebody in the bushes waiting to murder us when in reality the most dangerous people are the people close to us because that's where most of the crime happens mm-hmm. crimes of passion or crimes of just immediate anger and rage yeah especially like spouse you know they'd say oh the husband the husband is always the first suspect yeah yeah crimes of passion when you have like a 90% success rate on that theory, it's probably a good one to follow through with. Andy Dufresne. Mm-hmm. Remind everybody who that is. He is the uh, lead character in the novel and the film of Shawshank Redemption. Oh, dude. Okay. So that film, I do believe it's one of the most satisfying endings. That's overplayed. So that was directed by Frank Darabont. It's fantastic. I believe all the hype. He did another movie called The Mist, which is another Stephen King, Stephen King adaptation, which has the most gnarly ending ever. Have you seen this? I don't, the I don't remember The Mist. I remember the remake, but I don't think I watched it. I think there's only been one. Oh, okay. So there's. I'm thinking of The Fog. The sorry. Oh, The Fog. That's John Carpenter. Yeah, The Mist. Frank Terrebonne did a film, and now there's a show, I believe. Maybe Netflix picked it up. But I assume everyone knows the ending of Shawshank. But the right. ending of The Mist is so balls to the wall. Just You haven't seen it, have you? No. You're rumbling again. It has Thomas Jane. He's like the original quote unquote Punisher before Dolph Lundgren. Right. And he was also in uh, that space show that's on Amazon, The Expanse. So that's weird. I can't talk about film. Like, can't spoil it. But anyway, so Frank Darabont, he also did, the, he spearheaded the Walking Dead television show on AMC. Mm-hmm. But, he did The Green Mile. He did that too? Yep. So he's Stephen King world. Yeah, pretty much. It looks like I was just looking right now. I'm like, oh shit. That's one, two. That's three. Three out of four. Yeah. Wow. That movie. That's when we really got to see Sam. Or, um, yeah, Sam. Sam Rockwell. Yeah, dude. Oh, he was te- that character, Bill. that character he played in that film was so despicable. Oh, yeah. And those teeth. I'm cooking up some turds for you. Just so gross. Everybody in that movie was pretty spectacular. That's, that is a fantastic film that people don't talk about very often. Dude. Tom Hanks. Yeah, dude. Tom Hanks. Um, what's his name that played John Coffey? John Coffey. Right? Michael, rest in peace to that guy. Yeah, I can't believe that. Michael Clark Duncan. That's it. David Morse, of course, one of my favorite actors that no one ever talks about. He was in Mystic River? Uh, um, I don't think so. Shit, I'm blowing it. Uh, He was... Fuck. I think he was... He was in in one of my favorite... Oh, he's in Passengers, by the way. I'm looking at the list right now. Um, He was in... The Crossing Guard, which is one crossing of my... Crossing Guard, that's exactly what I'm thinking. 
Oh, awesome. I, that's uh, where he's like Sean uh, Penn's second movie, right? He's an ex-con turned around, uh, but then Jack Nicholson mm-hmm, is, mm-hmm. is the father of the girl that he accidentally killed while he was driving drunk. Yeah, so Mystic River and I believe Cross the Guard came out close times and they were similar, I believe, concepts. Is, well, they're both Sean Penn. One's, one's oh, is Sean that Penn. the uh, Kevin Bacon? Yeah. yeah, he directed both of them. He only acts in Mystic River, though. The Crossing Guard is what, what I love about that film. The reason it's so powerful to me is it's the first movie I saw where there's no antagonist. Okay, what's that? What's this actor's name? David Morse. He was also in Contact. Yeah, he was the dad. Yep. In probably one of the most beautiful film scenes of all time, where she's on the beach talking to him. At the end. Spoilers. Yeah, such a such a good movie. So right after I watched Interstellar, unfortunately, I, I think at a certain point, I'm like, oh, the, spoilers. I was like, oh, this is a time travel movie. And then as it started on phone, I'm like, fuck. Because Ryan Hernandez and Matt Cross were like, dude, this, is, this film made me cry. This is the best. Like, I was like, oh, my God, yes. Because Nolan rules, right? I loved it. I mean, it's it's great, but I remember talking about this with you before. <laughs> oh, did you, we do this already? It doesn't matter. The people listening weren't there, so I was like, <laughs> "Dude, I went in with a big boner, just like yes, give me some fucking heaviness." And it's there, but like, it just sucks that I called it, and then I just saw this shit happening. It goes back. It goes back to kind of what we were talking about before where it's like you go in with too many expectations you're probably going to be disappointed yes because right. i went in going i don't even know what the fuck this is about and i got at the end and i'm like i literally no i think i told you this when we talked about it before i got to the end and no exaggeration hit play and watched it again the i watched it twice the acting the execute it's fantastic it's the, the physics just the like science, understanding. yeah no no yeah i Dude, the VFX, the whole black hole, the... Uh, it's probably in my top five. It's fantastic. But unfortunately, I didn't get to have the fucking heart hit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But yeah. The reason why I brought that up. So I saw that. And even Laura, my girlfriend, she's like, yeah, it was cool. I was like, okay, we're going to watch Contact. And we're going to watch The Abyss. And we're going to watch these similar things. Yep. Contact, contact, the only time it bends is some of the VFX are d- dated. Yeah. Um, but story. That's Matthew McConaughey too, by the way. Yep. Mm-hmm. As like a... And Ian. Oh, yeah. That's right. He's the doctor. Wait, no. No, 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 no. no, no. The dude in the airplane is the dude who played Kane in Alien. Yeah, who's the who's the doctor, the old doctor? That's who I'm talking about. Shit. Tom Skerritt. Oh, Tom Skerritt, dude. Speaking of Alien? Yes. Yeah, two people from OG Alien are in that film. Yep. John Hurt and Tom Skerritt. John Hurt. Yeah, that's who you were thinking of. He's dead now, too, I think. Awesome. Isn't that nice? <laughs> Jake Busey, I forgot he was in that. Oh, James yeah, he, Woods, dude. Too. Yeah, he was the bad guy. 
uber uber conservative james woods oh, he dude james wood was was is a great character actor he always plays that fucking weasel dog you know what he was great in that almost nobody's ever seen salvador oliver stone film about san salvador that is a wonderful film whoa and he, He's fantastic in that. It's, it's from uh, like 1980, probably. Let me look. 1986. That is a really good film that almost nobody has seen. It's about. It's basically about uh, the revolution and him being, he's an American journalist that happens to be down there during the time. Which is, is kind of weird when you think about like that transition for him. Like, if he was doing a movie with Oliver Stone, obviously he wasn't always the super, the, the super Republican guy that he is now. Oh, is that true? Yeah, apparently he's like a, on the more of the asshole edge of it. Like, he's just like one of those people that's on Twitter, just blasting. Trying, yeah, trying to nuke people, basically. Hmm. We have a lot of those now. Twitter, the platform where nobody wants to be there. But everyone's there. Jim Belushi. Jim Belushi's in it. Whoa. What happened to him? Well, he died. Jim? Oh, wait. Jim's the bro, right? He's the brother, right? Oh, yeah, Jim's John. the bro. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Dude, so Jim yeah. was in that film called Real Men. Do you remember that shit? Yeah. Uh, I don't remember. It's not really time travel. Do you remember Mr. Destiny? Is that a it show was, or a film? It's a TV show. I mean, a, a movie with Jim Belushi and, uh, oh, God, Renee Russo. Whoa. And uh, back when she was, like, really young, uh, Courtney Cox. Whoa. And, and Michael Caine. Whoa. And, and John Lovitz. Whoa, <laughs> dude. That, that's, what, that's what 1990 was like, basically, right? Where you could just... Dump all those people into one movie. And Dude, go, oh, Renee Russo and Nightcrawler. Linda Hamilton as well. Whoa, Sarah Connor. Yep. So basically, he's like this dude that works at like a factory or this company. And he's like a working class dude. He's married to, to Linda Hamilton. Uh, wait, is he married to Linda Hamilton? Yes, he's married to Linda Hamilton. There's three women. I have to remember who's who. He's married to Linda Hamilton, but he's also like the the boss's wife. I don't remember who plays the boss, but uh, the boss's wife is Renee Russo, and she's just like smoking hot. Super and young, so, probably. So he's probably he's like he's always had like this kind of like background fantasy, probably. Well, he goes into this bar. He's basically it's it's a basically it's it's a wonderful life. It's a sort of retelling of It's a Wonderful Life. So he goes into this bar and Michael Caine is this bartender. And he's talking to him and he's you know like just regretting his life because he's, he hasn't done anything spectacular. He's just a blue collar dude. And, you know, all these things that could have happened to him. He was a high school football hero. And he walks out of there. And he, when he walks out of there, he's in a different life. And now he's married to the boss's wife, Renee Russo, and his girlfriend that he's cheating with is Courtney Cox. And I think John Lovitz is his best friend in both stories. It's not that great of a movie, but it's, it's kind of fun. It's kind of a good movie. Those time loop films, I think Groundhog Day nailed the time loop. Yeah, they're the number one forever, I think. 
Mostly because of Bill Murray, but no, there's a lot of genius in there. Like, have you heard the theory that it was in there for thousands of years? Uh, I believe it's not thousands, but like close to a thousand because he has to learn the piano, the ice cutting, like all the languages. Just, or just even like how long it takes for him to learn every movement of every person, right? Like, oh, you're going to move your hand right there. You know, like all those little things. How long did it take that just alone? But he totally creeped on chicks. Oh, yeah. It's definitely not a PC movie in reality. <laughs> that film is fucking fantastic. It's one of those movies that's just... Was that Remus? Probably. I hope they never remake it. it it's going to happen. And it'll be awful. I'm really surprised Goonies hasn't been touched. That's another one. See, you know what's funny is our friend Lamb, he's not a big fan of Goonies. Shout out to Lamb. What? Yeah, I, I figured that would be your reaction. Cancel Lamb. <laughs> Cancel the shout out. <laughs> Cancel Lamb of my life. <laughs> that's like, for people who don't know, that's like, for Brandon and, and me, that's like our movie. I saw that in the theaters. I'm an old I definitely did. I've been to Astoria. When I, oh, when I drove. Uh, our mutual friend Matt Cross went there. And it's rad. Apparently that house hasn't been landmarked or anything. I mean, Yeah, no, they don't want it to be. You can't even go on the street. You have to look at it from like another street, a perpendicular street. It, because I guess a bunch of people were assholes. Well, we're talking about the house for everybody. The goonie, the goondocks. Um, but yeah, I guess people were just getting drunk and doing weird shit in front of their house. So they're like, nope. But there's a, there's a museum there. Right. And the prison, tiny. that little tiny little jail, rather. Yep, that's the museum. And it's literally tiny. It looks way bigger in the movie. It's one, two, I think it's three cells. That's well, it. Dude, one of the opening shots, he's pretending to hang himself. Yep. And they have the... The ORV with the bolt holes right out front. Bullet holes. Yeah, it's pretty cool. If you're, if you're, that was an all black Jimmy, I believe. Yep. You know that Astoria is also Kindergarten Cop, right? Same town. Oh, shit. That's their claim to fame, is those two movies. I'm not sure if there's other ones, but When when Arnold started doing comedies, that was actually a pretty good movie. It was pretty solid. For you know that kind of movie, you know, not a tumor. Yeah, boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. <laughs> Where is he? Twins. Where is that kid now? What if he's a gynecologist? <laughs> All right, I'm trying to read this thing about Groundhog Day. He relived the day. Some people have calculated. Someone's calculated. I can't read the whole details on the calculator. Right. It's like about reincarnation and all that. Well, it says he relived the day 12,395 times. Okay. 33 years. 12,000. Yeah. Oh, it's purgatory, right? Yeah. That would be purgatory, right? Yeah. Well, it's reincarnation and purgatory. and It's all mixed up. That's what makes it kind of amazing. And that's the only film where, you know, those films where love saves the day kind of shit. Yeah. Love saves the day in that movie, right? 
Well, you got to remember too that uh, that was kind of Bill Murray, Bill Murray's thing for a while was I'm the douchebag that has to be tamed. Scrooge. Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking of. Like I'm a douche, but you have to torture me into becoming a better person. <laughs> Literally torture me into becoming a better person. All right, buddy. Well, um, for the people listening, want to tell them a little bit about yourself and where they can find you online and so forth. Hate to be boring. I don't have anything aggressive online. Um, I'm a motion graphics, visual effects artist, uh, shadowgraphstudios.com. That's it. Instagram technically, but you don't Instagram. Post. I haven't posted in a year. I'm sorry. I'm lame right now. Um, this is the part I was fearing the most. Just the whole, <laughs> this part. <laughs> this is the, you know, what's funny is this is, this is like technically the easiest part. Like tell me about yourself. I know, and- but I, I can't like, I can't really flex anything hard, but it's, it's fine. Uh, Everybody kind of feels the same way to be honest. So uh, I'd say that sounds like a beer. Uh, no, that's a headphone jack, a quarter, quarter inch. Uh, and uh, well, this is kind of I'm, something new I've been doing because I, I don't really do the whole goodbye and all that shit for the audience. You just hang up the phone. No, I just I like we'll we'll keep talking after this. I'm sure, but I like to end with music. But before that, like it'd be interesting if people had something to say at the end. So, do you have like words of wisdom? for people or just something that you want to say to end it as the final word? Yeah, a little bit. And I'm sorry if this goes a little heavy or deep. So that's what it's for. Okay. Here we go. So, uh, my girlfriend, Laura, her stepdad recently passed away stage four lung. Um, and we saw the whole thing and towards the end, I would talk to him a lot and, uh, he worked at Apple uh doesn't really matter where he worked but he was talking about how uh you know he wished he spent more time following creative things or it just not pursuing money as much and that was prolific for me and then we watched him pass and it was obviously super heavy but um what it really reinforced was just walking the path of least regrets so if you have if you get to a crossroads no matter what it is with the relationship work anything just you know what's the path of least regret what are you going to regret the least and just move forward with yourself and just you know do your best to be cool with yourself and your actions and all that heaviness over you know just there you go Yeah. <laughs>